All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0, and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. This is a Web Canopy Studio production. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott and Tim Wurzberger. We got a very, another, gosh, so many special guests we've had lately. Um, former deep partner of mine, former Stanley Cup winner. Gosh, he just retired, it seems like, a couple months ago. The ageless wonder, Brian Campbell. Brian, welcome to the Dropping the Gloves family, I yeah. guess. How's it going, buddy? Yeah, it's good. Everything's really good. Um, obviously, everything that's going on in the world, but, uh, you know, kids are keeping busy and... Uh, as you know, it doesn't, uh, your life does not stop. No, definitely does not. So you told me you were living at your in-laws. How's that? Are they, are they a big help? Or they, they, they are good. No, they help. They help a lot. My father-in-law does a lot of cooking. My mother-in-law mm. helps uh, with the kids. So we're here for about six weeks right now. We're kind of in transition. Uh, we're building a house in Chicago. So we got kicked out of our old house. Um, and had to move in here for uh, a few weeks. We couldn't quite match it up uh, perfectly, but um, it's good. They've, they're good people, and they live right in our area, so it's, uh, it works out well. So what's a Strathroy, Ontario boy doing building a house in Chicago? What, what kind of <laughs> – how did that happen? Well, my wife's from here, so I met her when I was playing here. And, you know, they always kind of say you, you kind of have to follow your wife, especially when you have kids and stuff. And and I enjoy it. And plus, uh, working for the Blackhawks now, it's been been a great transition away from hockey. 
Um, obviously still in hockey, but away from playing, I should say. Uh, been a really good transition for me that way to be able to work with the team, learn a lot, and um, and grow, uh, you know, in the uh, in the business side and, and and the hockey operations and keep learning. So does Chicago just hire every um, ex-Stanley Cup champion right away as soon as they retire? Is that how it works? Yes, correct. That it's is, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I think it took me a little while to kind of get figured out what I wanted to do. And last year I did uh, player development. So I was in Rockford with the coaching changes that all happened. The player development guy that was in Rock- Rockford working for the defenseman is now the assistant coach there. Yeah. In Rockford. So I was down working with them. I really enjoyed it. Uh, being around the young guys, I would go on the bench for the uh, some of the games in the American League. But um, they got a lot of good young D prospects. So it was kind of enjoyable to like help them like, go for practices and do some skill sessions before practice and and then kind of doing some video and just kind of, you know, trying to make their path. As you know, John, just taking a step you know, maybe to eat, maybe I'm able to take a couple steps away that I had to go through so I can get them to the NHL that much quicker and, and help out the big team. Yeah, it is funny when you're when you're a kid or a prospect going through those stages, getting some knowledge from a guy who's been there, done that is so much more helpful than just seeing on a, on a board and a coach kind of just drawing it up X's and O's. Like just having you on the ice being like, you know what, it's easier if you do it this way. It's more efficient if you do it this way. Do you, is it cool to see the kids progressing when you, you know, you get to them in the first week and then you see them mid season? Do you ever see those changes? Yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing that I'm learning is you got to be patient. And as you said, it's good when you just said, okay, do you see them at the start of the season? And then halfway through, don't, don't judge them after 10 games, after five games. And and that's something I got to improve on as a, as a, a, a person that's working for the team and kind of learning the ropes is you got to really almost say, okay, I'm not going to look at this kid. You are looking at him, but you're not going to look at him again until 40 games and kind of reevaluate him then or after, you know, even 80 games because it just takes time and there's so many ups and downs, but it's, you know, something that I'm trying to become better at and be more aware of. Um, And then the age of these guys, you know, you see – we're all looking at the superstars that are in the league at 18, 19, 20. It's like, okay, some guys that path does not happen with. And, and you got to remember 21, they're still only 21 or they're, yeah. you know, they're still 22 even, you know, it's like, you know, you, you, you got to give them time. Does it ever get frustrating to the kids when you just keep telling them, just do what I did, just get the puck and skate around everybody. Does it ever get frustrating <laughs> to them? Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't look at it like that. But it's just like there's little, you know, the little things that you can learn that you pick up along the way. How to, you know, you know, especially even in defensive zone for these guys, it's just like, okay, the 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 running around doesn't help. They the guy if they want to score, they got to come to you, and they got to come to the front of the net. So it's kind of like just kind of teaching them like little things. And there's a couple guys that are on the smaller side, so kind of teaching them a few little tricks of the trade to to be effective against you know bigger players is uh you know it's rewarding for me yeah that's the thing with young kids they just want to do everything now and it's like I had to learn that too where instead of trying to fly into the corner and blow someone up it's better just to let them you know have a couple feet and figure out what's happening and then you make the play that that's tough for a little kid to kind of slow down a little bit yeah, I know. I was running around like a buzzsaw when I was in the American League starting out. And, 
even in the NHL. And until you, you kind of, you got to watch players too. You got to watch hockey and, and figure out what they're doing too. And some of the stars are doing, and then you kind of pick it up and, and you learn more and more. And it took me, took me my whole career, you know, especially took me even, you know, to my late twenties to, to be more effective. Were you, were you effective when we played together in Chicago? You were a vet at that point. You'd played for, gosh, almost 10 years. Do you remember telling me, hey, Johnny, you go in the corner, no matter what corner the puck's dumped in, take the hit, then I'll come and get the puck. Was that one of your yeah. strategies, just letting me get buried? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> they, couldn't, they couldn't reach your shoulders anyway, so you're fine. But, yeah, it's, you know, there's different tricks of the trade, and as you become – more efficient with your defense partner then you can you have uh you know a better chemistry and you're out of the zone a lot quicker um you know I did learn a lot from Q you know he was a big and as you know John he was a big uh person with using your stick and being yep. effective that way and taking things away and, and you know as much as you feel like you should be learning that right away and from every coach it just wasn't if you don't emphasize it and, and keep talking about it day in and day out, then it kind of goes by the wayside. And I really, you know, say what you want. I, I enjoyed Joel and I learned a lot from him. And it was almost the, one of the first coaches that I ever, you know, was like, it was such a big factor for him and the way that he wanted to play. And then you're like, wow, this works. And or I'm going to keep doing it and it keeps working. So I give a lot of credit to him, um, you know, just uh, talking to him and watching him and listening to what he he wanted his players to do, and and he became more effective. So speaking of stick work, where did you come up? For those of you who haven't watched Brian play, he's a just a smooth operator out there. But the one telltale thing he does, whenever he's going back for the puck, he always dusted his tape off with his stick by banging his stick on the ice. Where did that come from? <laughs> Why did you outdo that? I, I that's, that's probably a balance issue. I didn't do it on like, okay, I'm going to stick tap. Every time. I, I, I hear you. Now that you. I don't even think about that until you brought that up. I would never even think that I did that or whatever. It was, it was almost a balance, I guess, you know, and it's probably not a, a great thing, but it was just kind of, uh, I don't know. I, I never even thought about that until right now when you said that and like, yeah, I did do that. Like I would never think about that. It was but. every single time in practice in the game. It was like Michael Jordan with the tongue when he was going to dunk it. You knew Soupy was gearing up for something. He'd go back and bang his stick and you would lift it up pretty high and you'd whack it. And then you would go, I'd be like, Oh, okay. Out of the way. Here comes Soupy. It's yeah, hilarious. I got to go. Now that I'm going to watch like old, old, uh, games i'm gonna be giggling all the time thinking about you when i'm doing that oh it was just like it was so funny i loved it i I tried to emulate it but i would always drop my stick (laughs) all right so you you're in the development now what's the end game for you like what what's your i I don't know no i don't know i don't know yet uh we'll see i'm enjoying this right now i got as you i have three young kids trying to be a good dad yeah be around taking the things um, so this has been a good mix and I, you know, I've been able, they've allowed me to go into meetings and listen and learn. I'm um, just trying to be a, somebody for the Blackhawks to, you know, I don't think, I don't know if one day I'd be, get into higher management and then get on the road and get working more and doing more. But for me, I'm really happy with this right now and, and, and learning from, 
uh, Stan Bowman and, and Norm McIver have been really good to me. So it's just kind of uh, yeah. learning the ropes and seeing what, you know, all the things that go on and all the people that are involved in it. Uh, you truly don't know when you're, when you're playing. Mm-hmm. So Brian, I'm looking through some of your career stats here and, um, and you put up some pretty big numbers, but you're definitely from looking at the stats of past first defenseman where you're putting up a couple goals, especially early in your career, two, three, maybe four goals plus, you know, 40 assists or something. And then you played in Finland during the lockout and put up some big points there. Your first year back in the NHL in 05, 06, you put up 12 goals. What did that come from? Like something you picked up overseas? You something you changed your workout? Like how did that how did that number jump up so so high? Um, I think it was a situation a little bit. Um, I was playing Danny Breer and Chris Drury were on that team that year, and and uh, I picked up quite a few of them on the power play. I finally got confidence in the league during that year. My first year back, played a lot of hockey in Finland during the lockout and. Uh, best thing for me, but kind of the setup a little bit on the power play. Uh, as John knows, I have one of the hardest shots in the history of hockey. A bomb, uh, absolute a bomb. bomb. So <laughs> shooting's not my forte, but that <laughs> year it was like I kind of shoot the odd. Believe me, I do not have a hard shot, and I definitely know that. But I would shoot a one timer, and it was all about just height and placement on the power play, and I got scored a few more that way I would have liked to have gotten to that 10 number a few more times obviously in my career but um there was one thing with my dad we always talked about like if I talked to him before games and stuff he's like shoot the puck shoot the puck and I'd be talking to myself shoot the puck but I'd never shoot the puck so I was always kind of like always been the past first guy but um kind of the setup that year with those those two guys are they're elite players and we had we had really good power play so it kind of worked out that that way yeah, we had we had Ryan Miller on uh, in the fall, and he and he was pretty honest about you know some of his frustrations with like how good you guys were with us with those Sabers rosters, um, and how close you guys came a couple of times to making a serious run. And he kind of said, you know, I I think we all thought we were going to do go deeper and, and do it more often, and do it every year. And then and he mentioned like Drury got traded, Briere got traded, you got traded. It kind of came apart. So I guess you know looking back, you. Would you say the same thing that you kind of expected to go on deeper playoff runs with that team? Yeah, it's probably one of the biggest regrets that I had, you know, not winning a cup in Buffalo and even not even getting the Stanley Cup finals. We lost back-to-back conference finals. Um, I just – I don't even know what to say about the whole situation. The first year coming out of the lockout, we had such a good team in uh, 05, 06, I think it was. Um, we ran into a ton of injuries on the back end, um, out of our seven defensemen that we had, uh, there was three left. Um, it was just, you know, I was playing about 18, 19 minutes a game during the whole season. And then in the playoffs, I was playing 30, 32, and it was just got us, you know, it was just because of all the injuries. And, um, we lost Tim Connolly to, to an injury. It just kind of, I don't think we... Personally, I don't think we got the depth that we needed to, you know, at the trade deadline there to, to be ready and prepared for it. Um, and then we lost some guys. And it was just, I think, I don't know, if maybe there was a little bit more forward thinking. We could have, you know, kept that team together a little bit more. And and, and we were going through, a, you know, a number of different issues. But um, it is definitely frustrating not winning. Um, you know, Buffalo's dying for a winner. So it's, uh, it was, it was fun playing there at that time. And, and fans still, that's basically, I was there this, this past year and it's basically, 
you know, they're like, oh, we love that. That's all we they pray for. They've been in such dire need for a winner now, and that's the last kind of winning team they've had, and that's all they think about. And it's kind of, in a way, it's a little bit sad, you know, to to think that. They're never going to win, not anytime soon. No, it's going to be tough, but, you know, for the fans, I hope they do, whether yeah. it's football or, or hockey, but – yeah, I think uh, they have the, the big piece, but they need to fill in around him, uh, that's for sure. Yeah, they've just been kind of – they need to get some sol- like solidification in the uh, upper management area to kind of build a team. But anyways, okay. There is no shortage of action going on their exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and Bet Online is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? Bet Online has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, they're your online wagering experts. Speaking of regret, I I find it interesting. I've been traded a few times. Did you know you were going to get dealt from Chicago? After um, 2011, or what? What was going it, into that off season? It was my decision. Okay. So I had a. Uh, so you demanded a trade. You said trade me. No, right I now. did not de- demand a trade. I did not demand a trade. <laughs> they they came to me with one, and um, you know what? It was just a situation, and you and we all know the cap situation. Yep. And at that time, um, there was players like Wade Redden playing in the minors that shouldn't have been playing in the minors. And I, you know, I, I was thinking about it. There was a case of that. I'm like, I don't want to play be sent down just because of my contract and things like that. There's, there's a number of things, um, you know, maybe even playing more of a prominent role. Do I wish I, you know, I can't say anything bad about Florida because I probably had one of my best seasons, my first year in Florida there. So, you know, and it was, it was interesting. It's a part of my, our life and our kids, we had a couple of kids there. So, um, you know, I never want to take that away. What I, you know, you can never look back on things, but, um, yeah, you know, just kind of a decision I felt that was right for my hockey career at that time. Not saying that, uh, um, other than that, I just felt like it was the right thing to do for my hockey career. So they approached, did you have a no trade clause? Is that why? Yeah. Partial okay. one. Yeah. So but all right. for me, it was the best thing for me. I felt like, um, whether it was or not, that's kind of the decision I made. Yeah. And then there's no tax in Florida for the people who don't realize that when you get paychecks, you get state tax taken off and Florida doesn't have any. So that's kind of an incentive going there. And then Dallas as well. Those are not bad cities to play in, but anyways, that's, that's a whole nother topic. So <laughs> when you, gosh, what was I going to ask? I got all worked up about the, the stinking um, trades, trades, Tim, what was I going to ask? I don't know. Probably something boring. Okay, go ahead, Tim, if you have one. Sorry, Soupy. Gosh. That's well, fine. 
John and I were going over questions beforehand. And one of the ones I wanted to ask you is who was your favorite defensive partner from your career? Sure. And he was like, obviously it's going to be me. But I guess separate from John, who was, who was your favorite player to play with? Um, there was, I had some good partners that I'm, that I worked well with, you know, like, uh, uh, Nicholas Yarmulson was awesome to play with. I played with him when he was, I think he was 21 at that point when we won. Um, he was great. Um, the other guy that I played with it was a really, really underrated player was, uh, in Buffalo. I played with, uh, Spacek, Yarl Spacek. Great guy, great human being, uh, really good player, underrated, played on, um, you know, he, he made some good runs with some teams in the playoffs as well. Um, so he was really good that I played with those two guys come to mind that, uh, Yarmelson was awesome to play with. Uh, he'd go back and he would take hits like John would, but he would, uh, he wouldn't complain. So, uh, so that, he was, uh, he's a warrior. So he was, the, he was an easy guy to play with. That's so funny. Yeah. I listen, I didn't like getting hit, but all right. So. You're 41 now. You played, gosh, until what, 38, 37, 38? Uh, yeah, I turned 38 that summer. So, How did you yeah. do that? Because there's not many guys who last that long. Was there? Because it's not like you were this big stud coming out of juniors. You you were drafted, gosh, like in the sixth round? Sixth, sixth yeah, round. Sixth round. So how did you get to the NHL and then last so long? How does that happen? I know it's a pretty vague question, but it's just yeah. kind of fascinating when fifth rounders play over a thousand games. It doesn't happen often. Well, my I got drafted, and obviously when I first when I got drafted in '97, it, if you weren't six six foot six one, you weren't going to go anywhere in the in the top of the draft. Um, you know, I had I, I still remember my draft day, one of the worst days ever. I sat there for six and a half hours waiting to be called and. You see guys that go ahead of you that are six three, six four, six five, six. Are you six seven, John? I'm six six eight and a half. Six eight and a half. Those guys. So I didn't know, get drafted I, though. Just so you know, I, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> but um, so that's kind of how that happened. And then I went back to junior for two more years, kept improving. My last year, I was Canadian Hockey League Player of the Year, and so I just kept on getting better and better. So and I don't want to cut you off, Soupy. Let me let me ask you about that. How frustrating is that when you see guys getting drafted who you have played with and against and you know you're better? Is that demoralizing yeah. a little bit? Um, a little or bit. A fuel. It, it, it's definitely – I always had a fuel, so that wasn't the problem. I was going to fuel myself no matter what. Um, it's a little bit frustrating, but, you know, then I went to Buffalo and I couldn't get in the lineup, you know, for – a couple of years. It was a, it was a grind to get in the lineup until after that lockout, even that lockout year, I had, I think I had 44 points. I was a healthy scratch for the first two games of the season. So, you know, it's just, it's, I was almost on a path of what am I, where am I going to go with this game of hockey? Do I go back to Europe and, and play there and, or what's going to happen to me? It was, it was, it was kind of like extremely frustrating. And, and once those kind of, rules kind of changed a bit obviously it helped me I felt like I could have played in the old rules too but I finally I don't know I finally got opportunities and got uh, head coaches that believed in me and it kind of took off from there so 
um, that's kind of where where that all kind of went from and and happened. I still remember the game I played in Florida. I finally I was healthy scratch the first two games, and then I played in Florida. A guy got hurt the game before and was on the power play. I think I had a couple assists, and and then the season just went from there. And finally, somebody you know, it's nice to have a coach that believed in you at that point. Finally, mm-hmm. what's it like? So your last season in Florida, you had the opportunity to go back there. I think they were offering you what, like four or five schmill. You decided to leave that money on the table and go back to Chicago. Was that just because you knew it was your last year and you wanted to go home and kind of have a nice farewell tour or? No, was there I didn't else? know it was my last year. Um, you know, I think, uh, I don't know. It was just wife, kids. It just felt like it was the right thing to do for, for myself. And Florida was kind of, you know, there were some great guys there. I don't think I loved playing there. Um, you know, it's just, it's just a different atmosphere after you play in Buffalo, uh, you play in, in Chicago, the atmosphere, the fans, mm-hmm. the excitement. I just kind of wanted to get that back into my life a little bit and enjoy it that way. And, you know, it was, it was a situation where we made that decision, whether it's right or wrong, but, um, it was just kind of the decision I felt like it was going to be best, you know, even for my kids to see and. Um, even though they're young, but, um, you know, I, I definitely don't regret that decision. Yeah. I think people have a hard time wrapping their head around the atmosphere and the environment for players. It's so much more enjoyable and you play better when there's fans, when you feel like it's hockey season, it was, I had the same kind of thing when I was in Arizona where I'd wake up and you'd go to the pool and then you go to the rink and no one would be there. It's hard to get like, ramped up for a game every single game it's so much easier when you're in Chicago or Buffalo or teams like that where there's fans milling around and stuff like that it really does make a big difference but there is John and as you know this there's some teams that are doing that are that would be great to play for in warmer climates like I love San Jose San Jose Tampa Bay that that stadium rocks yeah it is packed every night it is it it is fun to play there in Tampa um, so, you know, there's some, I just, it, it just hasn't kind of caught on in South Florida too much. It's, you know, it's frustrating. We had some, our first year we went, um, you know, obviously we made the playoffs and we went to game seven against Jersey who eventually went to the finals mm-hmm. and, you know, we got some excitement, but then it just kind of went downhill the next year after that. It's just, you got to sustain it. And, and there has been, have been teams that have done extremely well, San Jose, obviously, and, and well, Dallas is good. Like, yeah, Tampa, Dallas has come on. So, you know, those places are fun to play. What if you could look back? Gosh, you played for so long. What's what's the high and what's the low of your career? What's the worst part and what's the best part? Ooh. I don't know. Like, obviously, early on in my career when I wasn't playing, but, you know, those are that's what makes you a better player, too. Right. If yeah. you go through that adversity. Um, honestly, the low was not winning in Buffalo. Uh, Stanley Cup our um, the first year our team was so good and we lost to Carolina in seven games they ended up going on to win Um, so that was probably the real low point Um, and then obviously Chicago just seeing the whole excitement and the growth of the team um, you know and winning it um, and the city that was the, uh, the the highest of the high right there so what's next the Hall of Fame for you yeah, no, I think I don't think that's uh, in the cards, but 
I don't know. I'm enjoying it. I'm, you know, just enjoying my time here in Chicago. Got a lot of good friends here now and um, away from hockey and in hockey. So it's worked out pretty good. I don't know. I think you could make the Hall of Fame. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell yourself short, Soupy. You're a pretty good player. I'd like to be, if you put me in the Hall of Fame, I'd like to be in John Scott's Hall of Fame. I'll take that any day. You're in there. You're in there. You're, you, you were, geez, out of my best D partners, it's funny. I liked playing with Merrick Zidlicki, and then you're right up there too. You guys, it's just make the yeah. game easy. He was a good player, Zidlicki. Oh, man, was he smooth. But, yeah, you guys were – he was he had a little more hands, but you were more patient. But it was just – I love playing so, with the skill guy. A funny story with him is him and I came into the league, I think, the same year because when I played in Finland, he was in the Finnish league playing on um, – I think he was on another team there in the Finnish league. So I played against him over there as well. And I always admired his game and liked his game and liked watching him. He's got one of the best set of hands I've ever played with. Yes. He had a really good shot. And, yeah. Uh, Not as good as yours. Thank you. Appreciate but he could that. like throw a sauce like 20 feet high and have it land completely flat. I was always amazed that he could do that. Like, and then what would you do with it, John? Oh, no, I wouldn't touch it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I played with my D partners, I was like, if we go D to D, never put it on my backhand because you're never, it's never going to end well. <laughs> Just don't do it, please. It was, you did get me into a fight soup. Do you remember Minnesota that Stavitz ran you? Yeah. I, I do remember that. Right take in, the, care of business. in the right hand corner. Yep. Yeah. And I, I, after the fight, I'm like, thanks, John. But you didn't like, it was fine. You didn't need to do that. But I obviously appreciate that. Uh, uh, it sounded American. worse you, than it was, I think. Yeah, right. And plus, it was in Minnesota. You wanted to show the the old fans a, a thing or two, and I know get them they're all new r- tough guy. Up. Yeah, right. Stop yeah. it. It's, I used yeah, to tell exactly. guys like that. He'd be like, "Let's fight," and I go, "Buddy, I beat guys like you up on the way to the fight, so <laughs> I could beat it." That's funny stuff. The old days. So I'll, I'll probably see you around once this lockout ends. We can go do an event here and there. Yeah, I know. I will get back to Chicago and then, uh, you know, I obviously that prospect camp in Traverse City won't be happening this year, but no. uh, it's a beautiful area up there. Yeah, we'll have to grab a few drinks. Maybe not too many for you, apparently, Mr. Hangover all the time. Oh, my goodness. I'm a, I'm a lightweight now, as you know, when you got to get up <laughs> at 6 a.m. with three kids. You uh, take it. You day drink now. You don't uh, you don't night drink. Three kids, that's half of what I have, Soupy. So I, let's just I pick a game up. I, <laughs> I'm done. All right, buddy. This was great. This hey, was I appreciate all- guys having me on. That was a lot of fun. No problem, buddy. Yeah, thank you for doing it. And we'll see you around, definitely. Okay. All right, Soup. Sounds see ya. Good. All right. Thanks, see ya. Guys. Bye, Tim. Yeah. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at dropping underscore gloves for episode highlights, behind the scenes content, sneak peeks, and giveaways. Check out johnscottallstar.com slash shop for merchandise including t-shirts, hats, hoodies, and so much more. And please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's so important to helping us grow so we can keep delivering the hockey content and interviews with the players you love. Thanks and see you next time.